He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. You've just taken the conversation to even a higher level, right? When it comes to how can you deliver this above average guest experience, knowing who is your guest, right? So you talked about, do you know your guest? Look, I would claim that the majority of this industry, probably 80% of this industry doesn't know their guest. Okay. I might get crucified for that statement, but <laughs> so there's but, a couple uh, statements we probably made that we'll get a little bit of backlash. <laughs> all right, but we can keep it. I've been long yeah. enough in this industry to state that and say, Hey, we don't know our guests. Now the question is how, how well do you know your guests? And I think you made a perfect example. And literally for the surveys and the research that we have done as a, as a consulting firm at HA Atelier, we, we, we still find the majority of the companies does not know their guests. And by the way, they don't know their owners either that well. They know their owners better because that's the golden nuggets, right? But the guests, there's still a lot of room for improvement and, and, and exactly for the example that you've made. So I think that's something we need to be mindful. How many companies do use a CRM, a decent CRM to, to, to drive repeat customers, to drive value to their businesses? You know, we've seen acquisition frenzy. Everybody was, you know, buying companies, paying massive multiples on what value? Uh, you know, is it, is it the inventory? Is it the customer base on, on which value? And I think that's something we have totally underestimated that ultimately we want good, uh, loyal customers. We need to, we to know who they are so we can actually engage with them uh, while they're in destination. And I always say, you know, the average length of stay is, is considerably higher than the hotel industry. So we actually have all the time to engage with that consumer during his stay to make sure we get to know him, we can serve his needs, and we make sure he comes back and we're not capable to do that because we had other challenges to face in terms of technology, in terms of supply, in terms of demand, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we need to stop crying out loud now and, and start taking it to the next level and say, hey, let's, it, it's about taking care of these guests and make sure they have a great experience and they will talk about vacation rental as a great experience. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. What is up, all you Slick Talkers? Welcome back to another episode. And before we dive in, you know I have to do this one quick, simple thing, and that is to thank our sponsors. Our sponsors make this show so possible in so many ways that I can't even begin to describe. Every episode takes a lot of planning, a lot of thought, a lot of execution, and of course, a lot of support. And not just support from listeners like you who are pressing play, getting to this point in the episode and getting ready to hear the great content from Simon Lehman, myself, and future guests on the podcast. 
but our sponsors do a lot for us. They work with us on finding ways to get the show out there more and to bring value to you listeners. So I just want to give a quick shout out to, of course, Hostfully, Safely, and Minute. If you haven't heard of either of these companies, I would be completely shocked and surprised. Hostfully has one of the best property management platforms I've ever seen. Their tools and their connections and their features for their property management platform is incredible. And guess what? They connect perfectly with Safely.com. If you haven't heard of Safely, Safely is the best insurer tech product for vacation rental operators, owners, and managers alike. So you need to go to Safely.com. And then to pair with Safely, insurance is always needed. But guess what? If you have something like Minute inside of your properties, then you will know when something is going down, whether it's a party or maybe just unwelcomed guests that shouldn't be there when they're not supposed to. Really important things to know, the best practices from the best managers use these tools. So go ahead, check out the show notes, and make sure you grab those links, get the special promos and offers that these sponsors bring to the table. I swear it's amazing and it's a game changer. So go ahead, check out the show notes, and now let's get ready to dive in with this special episode with Simon Lehman, who joins me to cover 2022 and what to expect in 2023. And let's just say we open up quite a few can of worms on this podcast. So get ready to tune in. And we are so excited that you are here on Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now let's begin in three, two, one. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And man, has it been way too long since I've had this legend on the show. We got Simon Lehman, the co-founder and managing director of AJL Consulting. So Simon, welcome back to Slick Talk. And forgive me, actually, it's not AJL Consulting anymore. It's AJL Atelier. So forgive me for, uh, for that. But just wanted to say I'm so excited to see you. Absolutely well. And, you know, I don't know who's more nervous today, <laughs> it's you and I. but, uh, you know, you know, I remember the first time we met together and, and the first time I was on your podcast, which you were still running out of a, a you know, a co-working space or a hotel space. I can't remember exactly, but these beautiful I was on, uh, curtains in COVID. the background. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I was on a uh, COVID orders for the army. So I was in a hotel and uh, in between shifts and just like, all right, I got to hop on. That's this right. You were in between shifts when you were serving yeah. the army yeah. during COVID. That's yeah. right. So yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. And, and, and thank you so much, Will, for, for having us back. And, uh, you know, we're, our, we have a deep friendship that we sometimes wish we could uh, develop further when we see each other. But uh, times are uh, always sh- too short, which we just said. And, uh, but thanks for having me. And, and hopefully we can uh, knock some stuff out of the way. Uh, during this podcast with you. I am looking forward to it. I couldn't agree more. I think the the amount of times that we get to cross face is very short. Uh, you're a very busy man as you have built a really credible reputation. So I think, you know, for all the listeners that are either watching this this video or listening to the, the audio version, um, you know, Simon was on the podcast 2020, uh, early COVID days. Like no one was leaving, no one was traveling. Everything was zoom, 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 back to back to back to back. Uh, and I got introduced to Simon through uh, a couple of mutual friends in the industry. 
learning about consulting and how you've built the career that you've built through HomeAway to now uh, doing a multiple M&A activities in, in the industry uh, with your company. So for everyone listening, go look in the show notes, grab that old episode, go backwards and listen to Simon's story because we're not going to cover the whole thing again today. We're going to really dive in to the year that has been 2022 and the year that's to come, 2023, and a lot about uh, what Simon has been seeing in the industry. So for you, my friend, I would love to just, let's start with the high-level recap of 2022. High-level recap, we'll unpack it from there, and then we'll, we'll move forward from that. Absolutely, Will. And thank you for the opening notes. I think 2022 is probably a year that Vacation Rental will never see again. And I don't want to put out, the, you know, the doom and gloom out there. Uh, but we need to be realistic as well. You know, I've attended several um, conferences this year, Scale Up in Barcelona, a VRMA uh, executive where I moderated the conferences, and I always took an umbrella with me on stage, right, which sort of um, actually signaled when, you, when, the, when it's sunny out there, don't forget your umbrella, right? And, and I think that's something that we need to take away from 2022. So 2022 was incredibly sunny in all aspects, probably one of the driest years in certain places of the earth, in some of the hottest places in, 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 in the earth. So we need to talk about sustainability as well, which uh, we need to make sure we do something to save our planet at the same time. But um, we've had very little rain also in, re in relation to ADR occupancies uh, and everything else. So it's been an incredible year. We delivered vacation rental is now there. It's now a very respectable, respectable uh, hospitality vertical. Um, everybody's aware of vacation rental as an alternative um, way of, 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 of consuming hospitality. Uh, and now we need to make it, uh, we, we, we need to maintain it, right? So overall, great year, um, you know, good bank accounts, uh, great balance sheets, great P&Ls, uh, some challenges on the staffing side, staff retention, getting talents uh, on the books is definitely uh, still a, a big question. Tech, tech adoption has, has improved, but also that is moving as well. Revenue management, all in all, an incredible year end-to-end uh, -end for vacation rental. And now it's a, the big question for me going forward is what do we do? What do we make out of it going forward? So what, what is that, the answer to that question? What do you, what are you seeing? And, you know, I could definitely say, I agree on multiple fronts, um, from what you just said, but I think there's also this interesting shift. Uh, I think you probably seen as well in this last year, 2021 to 2022, um, that I don't know if it's too early to say, but I think we're seeing not only the adoption on the guest side, but the Airbnb host evolution, right? The the one, two, three, four properties or however you want to kind of count them um, on only Airbnb to then now migrating over to like, oh, there's this thing called a vacation rental company, like a brand, like <laughs> what? A property management software and smart locks and all the other stuff. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that? Uh, well, you well. <laughs> No, you just you just open up a massive can of worms, <laughs> right? So if if there is anything out there that I'm not a big fan of are these Airbnb investment companies because that's just so short-sighted, right? So 
you know, be pre-COVID, we were masterly's companies, uh, Lyrics Day, Alfred, you name them, they all disappeared. Um, and then we get, uh, post-COVID, we get through these Airbnb investments, either single investment, multiple investment, doesn't really matter, uh, to invest uh, into a real estate that uh, you can short-term, uh, you can list for short-term instead of long-term. Cap rate's interesting. Now, interest rates are rising. Uh, demand is softening. Uh, these cap rates, or capital investment return rates, uh, are are dropping like like crazy, right? So again, proven to be short-sighted. I'm a true blue, deep down, full service property management guy, right? So let's yeah. get into the conversation. I don't I don't believe in these one day flies and one day stands or or one night stands. I believe in in the in in the full service property management uh, services end to end for property owners, being it investments without a doubt, can be investments, real estate investments, or just utilizing its second home without being utilized. Uh, also due to um, uh, sustainability reasons, you know, if you don't use your house, you might as well rent it to someone else uh, mm -hmm. to use it, etc., uh, etc. Et so, I'm a, you know, I think. We, we will see less of this Airbnb investment uh, pieces out there because people are getting very nervous and seeing, you know, okay, does my investment make sense? I think I want to focus on the full service property management side, right? And and I'm, I'm still f amazed that, you know, it's, it's actually interesting you're mentioning that because at, uh, at the recent Focus Right conference in Phoenix, um, you know, they made some predictions in terms of where we're at today in, 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 um, in uh, professionally property managed uh, inventory is currently around 35, 36%. So total supply mm -hmm. in the United States is about, let's say one third of it is professionally managed, two thirds is still individually managed, which for me is absolutely incredible to think about it, right? Because I think property managers deliver so much incredible services to homeowners and still homeowners think they can do a better job on their own. I would yeah. question that. Um, for many reasons, and that's a different conversation to be had. The prediction of focus right is it's growing to 41% uh, over a couple of years, which is a great prediction. I love that. It's the first time that we're seeing a shift in RBO inventory moving towards managed inventory, right? And I think that's, that's a great sign. And, and why is that? Because it's become more complex, number one. Number two, yeah. we have started to address more hotel guests to our industry that have more demands than what they had before, right? In terms of just using a rental. We remember 2005, 5% of US travels rented. 2019, only 40% of US travel rented. So now we're in a different game. And that means while the, the, the guest experience, the guest expectation is rising, individual managers realizing it's becoming more and more difficult to serve these needs so actually a professional manager can potentially do a better job. So now Focusrite is predicting we're seeing a shift from RBO managed inventory to more professionally managed inventory, which I think is fantastic. Because one thing I always said, and you know that well, uh, something I've been talking about at every conference, one thing we don't do well in the professionally managed industry is we don't communicate the value proposition to homeowners the best way we can because homeowners don't know what a property manager does behind the scene 
to make sure there's a, there's a smooth uh, rental experience, right? 100%. And I am so glad you said that because you and I are both, like, I came from the hotel world before even getting into vacation rentals. And with our vacation rental management company, we've always preached that hotel standards in the sense of guest service and experience and anticipation of the guest needs and all this stuff is going to be required. Like you need to have hospitality at the core rather than inventory, scale, and tech. Like, yes, those are all great three things that help with hospitality. But if you're not ready to take care of the guests and expect them to be a little bit more needy and want to know the area better and want to have your best recommendations and where, you know, have emergencies pop up and be able to, you know, work on the fly. Like that's, that's the big thing. So I want to ask you, and I'm using this as a proper segue because I have hated, and I want your opinion on this. I've hated the amount of tech companies that use their tech as like automation check-in instructions and X, Y, and Z, things like that as a way of saying guest experience. I think that is the word guest experience is overused. That is just basics now to me, like automatic check-in instructions, door codes, that's basics. That should be an entry-level day one go-to strategy. Like, So what when it comes to guest experience, what does that really mean in the world of vacation rentals? Is it automated tech and check-in codes and instructions, or is it actually adding human value to their, their time in the destination or the property? It's both. <laughs> And and you just open up a, another massive can of worms here. So you're doing, doing my well. Job. Doing my job. <laughs> so second can of worms in 10 minutes. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, I could not agree with you more. And um, maybe a little bit of our own marketing. AGL is very aggressive now on building uh, marketplaces, uh, 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 sorry, landscapes on technology uh, uh, providers. So we put out a couple of studies, one on the PMS side, and then we put a guest experience a study out uh, there to, to to sort of showcase all the companies that consider themselves uh, as as guest experience. So let me add to that a little bit. Uh, so we did a big survey out there. We have over a hundred companies already registered on our platform, and I urge everybody else to come and register the technology you, uh, on our platform. Do you have the the link to the study that we could put in the show notes for everyone who's listening? Yeah. Or Absolutely, but that's something I will provide to you. We can put that oh. in the show notes. Uh, awesome. We want every every vacation rental technology firm enter uh, that survey, uh, so they're actually part of the landscape. Number one, which we mm -hmm. which we actually do with one of the largest uh, growth uh, um, private equity growth funds in San Francisco. We're we're building a super large database right now for all the vacation rental tech companies out there. And we're segmenting them in, 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 in different areas on what they're providing. Uh, one thing, and, and I've done some recent LinkedIn posts on that. Uh, so we've posted the PMSs so far. We've posted guest experience. We have uh, other verticals uh, coming very soon, like uh, revenue management, channel management, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And guest experience was interesting that from the, you know, from the 100 entries of, of companies that have registered a database, 42% of them um, reckon that they're involved in guest experience. So that's to your point, uh, Will, and I could not agree with you more. So now the big question is, what is guest experience? Where does it start? Where does it finish? And what is really enhanced guest experience? So as soon as somebody can deliver a door code uh, to a lock, uh, it's guest experience technology, right? 
Uh, does that improve uh, the experience of a guest? Uh, absolutely not, because the guest expects expects it anyway. So, you know, I, I don't have a better experience. If I have a worse experience, the door code is not there when I need to check in. So, so or it's an actual is, key. You have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Europe, we still have a lot of keys, uh, especially <laughs> the older areas of destinations. We have a lot of keys in, in Europe. So there's a lot of work to be done, but that's a very valid point. So ultimately, what is guest experience? For me, guest experience, uh, I agree with you um, again in terms of it's an overused term in all aspects, in all aspects. And let me go back to, to what I just said before. You know, if we consider the fact that pre-COVID, the the vertical awareness of vacation rental and, and U.S. travels was at 40%. So that means these are people who are used to the vacation rental experience. You know, that it's, it's a challenge to get the key. It's a challenge to get into the house. It's a challenge to to uh, have a clean place. It's a challenge to, to have uh, a decent experience. Um, I'm being very mean here, but of course, there's a lot of people out there who, who go massively the extra mile. But we still have no standards at all. And I'm, I'm allowed to say I had a, an interesting meeting with Google today where, you know, they're still fighting standards in product description, pictures. And, and for me, I, you know, I, I can't get more gray hair because I'm totally gray now. So, you know, I, I need to go the other way. But at the end of the day, guest experience is a very wide use term and we need to separate it. So what can we do with tech? that really truly improves the guest experience and what can we do with the smile on our face and delivering good experience uh, with human capital. And that needs to be started to be separated very, 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 very quickly. Uh, I think there's a lot of things we can do with tech, uh, home automation, uh, check-in, check-out, um, automated door locks, thermostats, uh, communication, guest communications, upselling opportunities. You know, while I always said that, the vacation rental value chain is being consolidated. It's actually being expanded. There's even more startups coming all the time, which makes it more complex. And they're all trying to improve the guest experience. But let us not forget the human capital. Where can the people call? Do they get a response quickly? Do they get a smile when the man in sky arrives to, to fix, um, you know, the ducted heating or whatever might be broken? Um, that's something we need to be very, very mindful about. A hotel as the staff in one building, they can react very quickly. Vacation rental can't. But we, the, 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 the new guests or the future guest who has discovered vacation rental over COVID, he wants service. He wants it now and it needs to happen, right? So it's not just tech. It's an it's a, it's a absolute combination of both. Well, I love, the, I love that term, human capital. Um, I think the biggest thing has always been like, okay, Tech is supposed to help you step away from operations in the sense of, you know, verifying that it came through the right channel, making sure payments done, door codes, all the stuff that you kind of mentioned earlier, uh, to allow you to be free in time as a operator to then be able to say, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Lehman are checking in today at four. I see in the reservation notes that they're excited to celebrate an anniversary without kids guess what? That sounds like a perfect opportunity to go to the winery and grab a bottle of wine, write a note, do something like have that, that open time. So that way you're not stuck behind a computer. But 
I think we've kind of pinched ourselves behind the screen a little bit still, especially in a virtual, you know, world of working and remote living and all that stuff. Um, so how, I guess this is leading into another question that we we're going to talk about later, but you know, how does this impact the future of the operator from actual operations? I think is the, the important part because it, it does take human capital. It doesn't just take a bunch of softwares and hardware pieces to come together. It takes humans that have the ideas and the ability to take action. Absolutely. Well, and I think you've just taken the conversation to even a higher level, right? When it comes to how can you deliver this above average guest experience, knowing who is your guest, right? So you talked about, do you know your guest? Look, I would claim that the majority of this industry, probably 80% of this industry doesn't know their guests. Okay. I might get crucified for that statement. <laughs> But I said, there's but, a couple uh, statements we probably made that we'll get a little bit of backlash. <laughs> All right, but we can keep it. Uh, we, I've been long yeah. enough in this industry to state that and say, hey, like, you know, we don't know our guests. Now, the question is, how, how well do you know your guests? And I think you made a perfect example. And literally for the surveys and the research that we have done as a, as a consulting firm at HA Atelier, we, we, we still find the majority of the companies does not know their guests. And by the way, they don't know their owners either that well. They know their owners better because that's the golden nuggets, right? Uh, but, the, but the guests, um, there's still a lot of room for improvement and, and, and exactly uh, for the example that you've made. So I think that's something we need to be mindful. How many companies do use a CRM a decent CRM to, to, to drive repeat customers, to drive value to their businesses. You know, we've seen acquisition frenzy. Everybody was, you know, buying companies, paying massive multiples on what value? Uh, you know, is it, is it the inventory? Is it the customer base on, on which value? And I think that's something we have totally underestimated that ultimately we want good, uh, loyal customers we need to, we to know who they are so we can actually engage with them uh, while they're in destination. And I always say, you know, the average length of stay is, is considerably higher than the hotel industry. So we actually have all the time to engage with that consumer during his stay to make sure we get to know him, we can serve his needs, and we make sure he comes back. And we're not capable to do that because we had other challenges to face in terms of technology, in terms of supply, in terms of demand, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we need to stop crying out loud now and, and start taking it to the next level and say, hey, let's, it, it's about taking care of these guests and make sure they have a great experience and they will talk about vacation rental as a great experience. And one thing I want to mention here, which I've mentioned so many times in 2022 and on all the conferences I, I had uh, you know, the pleasure to speak or moderate is talking about um, this, this, this value that a guest creates and that we can capture uh, as a business. And we don't take advantage of that at all. We just don't know it. And that is so crazy. And, and we could leverage that a lot better uh, if we if we would, but we've been become somewhat lazy and have taken OTAs to to play our our demand 
and 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 at the time the guest is in our uh, destination we don't do anything with it and that's very unfortunate so i think overall there's a lot of things we can do to make that better create more repeat customers more loyal customers understand our customers make sure you get to know your customer and 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 make sure that they're coming back to your uh, to your platform as well and this is not about book direct and then we see so many different initiatives which which I you know encourage and it's great what what these people out there do like Damien and 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 others they're doing an incredible job but we need to really be truthful to ourselves and need to understand who our true customer is and how do we serve that and how we do make sure we engage with them and how we can bring them back uh, to our properties as well yeah book direct's a long game and I think there's a lot of strategies outside of OTAs and technology that can be implemented, but it, like you said, it's really getting to know the guest and stay. And I think, you know, it's incredible to see, like I reflect on the hotel days when I had Mr. Chardine and Mrs. Chardine check in and Mr. Rhodes and Mrs. Malone. Like I got to know my guests on very short periods of time. Uh, and I still talk to some of them to this day and that's been what, seven years or so. So being able to have that connectivity, obviously there's a big human aspect, right? Like I'm in person, they're in person, we're not doing this remotely. Um, but I think there's a, a beauty in that where you know how to communicate, you know how to anticipate, you know how to properly set up everything and be prepared. Um, so now, you know, with guests being in our homes for five, six seven plus days we barely understand who they are where they're coming from um and so when it comes to this book direct movement do you, or not even movement but book direct independence um it's kind of interesting conversation to go the route of do we as an industry go towards a more hotel-like model do we have to have a uh, in-destination office do we have to get that in-person element in there or is there a way to actually do it through the systems that we have now? That's the third can of worms that you opened, <laughs> uh, Will. So, I, you know, I, I am, I think I would go the angle of technology to be perfectly honest. You know, I think, yeah. you know, when, when I was, when I was CEO at Interhome in 2005, uh, we knew at the end of the ski season, of the previous year, if the next ski season is going to be a success, right? That these days are over, let's face it, right? So so we had people who go to the same ski destination for years and years and years and years. They had a great time. They checked out and booked for the next year, right? So we already knew in March of that year how March next year is going to look like because everybody, that's, that's the way the consumer behaved, right? So we need to be mindful of the consumer behavior and say, okay, how do we address that consumer, that changing consumer behavior? Uh, uh, booking vendors have changed, length of stay has changed, frequency has changed. Uh, you know, the way we consume hospitality has changed to become more a uh, hybrid as well. So we choose hotels for a couple of nights. The other night we stay in the youth hostel for some adventure. And then the third night we stay in the treehouse. And the other night we stay in a vacation rental. So I think the way we consume hospitality has changed and 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 therefore i would i would go more towards the technology side what what you what what you are related to in terms of the hotel saying you know how much you know we need to be there 
uh, also in the destination and, and, and making all that happen. I think technology can 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 cater a lot of that. And look, the, the fundamentals of this industry is that we're we're still dispersed. We have uh, uh, inventory all over the place. I think it makes it very challenging. And we've seen it with uh, business models like Interhome, who have been you know very very focused on 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 building these hubs uh, with hundred units plus within a thirty kilometer or twenty mile radius uh, that, to be present. Uh, to the owner, and and I think it's it it really depends on the overall strategy as well that you want to run, and and where do you position yourself as a property manager? Is it a high touch? Is it a low touch service? Uh, what which kind of client you address? What kind of products do you offer? Uh, do you need to have a local presence? Don't don't you not? Uh, uh, don't you want to not have a local presence? But at the end of the day, um, I think you know that's something that need to you need to answer yourself, and then you can decide. Uh, are you taking more the technology angle, and and that can, you know, I can have a, a a VA team anywhere in the world who can answer any guest inquiries. That works perfectly, right? Uh, you know, as long as you educate uh, your guests and make sure everything behind the scenes works, I think the guest today is is far more flexible. But at the end of, at the end of the day, it depends what kind of guest you address. If somebody spends a uh, hundred thousand plus on a weekly rental. Uh, well, then you better be present and make sure that everything is on the ground happening according to the expectation. And I think that's what that's what the challenge is on, uh, uh, at the end of the day. Yeah. So three cans of worms later, and a, probably a couple of things that we've said that might give us a little backlash. Let I want to ask you a, a more positive question on, you know, AJL. You guys work uh, as you were telling me before the recording from property management companies that have less than 40 homes or 40 homes around that to who knows how many, a, a, a shit ton, let's just say that. And um, I want to know what is working, what is working right, what is something that the industry should really double down into um, when it comes to providing great guest experience, but then a profitable business. I think that we lose the side of profitability a lot of the time. So um, maybe putting the two together. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 thank you, Will, for for raising that topic. I mean, we sort of made a name for ourselves in in 2019 uh, about profitability, and that was during the time where Vacasa was just acquiring shitload of businesses and 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 losing a, a ton of money. Uh, I think we've seen the result. And and one thing I want to state here very publicly: uh, I have all the interest for Vacasa to succeed, uh, not because I own any shares anymore, which I don't. Uh, but this is not good for our industry as a whole, also for an investment perspective. So we want Vocasa to succeed, at, at, yeah. you know, and and we've come a long way. So 2019, uh, we've come a long way, and and where are we going to now? I think, you know, this it's not about we we raised the, the issue about profitability that how can you raise so much capital and buy all these companies and still lose money right mm -hmm. and i think that's why we agl came out and say hey we need to think about profitability and and profitability is still the most important uh, factor besides the human capital that you need to run your business so get the right people on the bus and you need to be profitable and need to understand what are your cost drivers how do you make money how do you lose money and scale is not everything. And I think especially now it's about, you know, COVID has, has learned us that we need to have cash on the side to survive. 
We can't touch it. We can't put our hands into trust accounting. We need to make sure the owners are paid as well. Mm -hmm. So we need to be very careful. So I think financial hygiene and everything we do, um, you know, the financial stability of a business is the foundation of any business and we need to be mindful. So it's not about growth. It's about understanding the unit economic drivers of your business. What creates costs to my business? Where do I make my revenue? Uh, how do I pay my homeowners? And, and how can I continue to hire additional staff and increase my services, et cetera? That's the absolute foundation of this industry. And if we don't get that right, we don't even need to talk about guest experience, technology enhancements, et cetera, et cetera, because profitability ultimately is the oxygen um, to our future. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, so I guess it comes back to what, what, what should we double down on when it comes to getting profitable? Is it, is it running lean until we get there? Is it um, implementing a solid amount of tech to help kind of take away the pain points so that way we can focus on other things? What, do you, what would you say is working? So first of all, do your risk assessment. So on, uh, just try to understand where your risks are in your business and what can happen to your business. And then at the end of the day, like everything in life, it's the balance that you're approaching this. So the balance of technology and human capital ultimately will get you there. Have the people understanding what the metrics are and what they can influence and how much technology can do. You know, we've been using computers forever. Has, you know, and, and there's so many people out there who said, you know, since I have a computer, my life gotten worse because it's, it's taking me so much more work and entering data and everything like that. So we need to have a pragmatic approach to it. So I think we need to truly understand where is the value of applying tech and where is the value of, of applying human interaction. And I think at the end of the day, like everything in life, it's, it's applying the right balance to make us get through it. Yeah, definitely. That's couldn't have said it better myself. So that way we can get rid of the, the whiplashing that we'll get for, for all the other stuff. Um, so now we've, we've covered, you know, cover a lot of 2022 before we move on to 2023. Um, you've done a lot of conferences. You've done a lot of moderating slash speaking slash attendance in general from scale to VRMA and many in between. Um, do you have any, I would say like, I hate the word nuggets or takeaways, but what are the big talking points happening right now? Uh, maybe that we haven't covered on the show. Um, are we really just focusing on staffing and scale and profitability? Or is there other issues that are arising that um, as an industry, we just don't really let out of the bag as often. Absolutely. You forgot the guest experience well, but yeah, uh, right. so that would yeah. be the fourth part. <laughs> so my, my two biggest nuggets uh, as a takeaway from the conferences that I've attended so far this year or have been attending so far this year um, is, uh, is franchise and, and the investment universe. Um, so the first of all, one thing that I've observed uh, all over the place, no matter Europe or, or the US and even Southwest Pacific, Australasia, uh, and, and even Latin America is that any property manager who, who sits, who hits a certain glass ceiling in terms of growth, um, their answer to further growth is franchise, right? So, so they believe they build a certain amount of tech, uh, tech uh, which is uh, proprietary. Uh, secondly, they build a certain uh, brand so that's enough uh, to, to legitimate uh, yourself to, uh, to offer a franchise. 
And you know, while I, I always thought, and, and I'm I'm I mean, just about, and you're the first podcast ever that I'm making this public. I'm starting to doubt my own conviction. Right. So you know, I've had podcasts where I was totally convinced about uh, consolidation many years back. That's like three, four years back. Well, I felt like you know the podcasters of this world and others can really consolidate this market. Didn't happen. Totally failed. The next one was the master leases, uh, totally failed. That's something I never put money on because I said it's not scalable. And nope. and I always said the biggest risk to master lease was changing interest rates. Obviously, didn't think about COVID at the time because we didn't know it's coming, but uh, both proven to be right. So now the third one is franchise. And, and I still see massive opportunity for franchise, like the McDonald's, Starbucks, or anything the like of this world. Where you have clear standards, the guest the, the guest knows what he's going to get uh, in terms of guest experience, product delivery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm still a believer of franchise, uh, but too many companies think they can do it, and and rolling out a franchise is extremely complex, especially in North America. Uh, you know, getting the licenses and making sure you have the product settled that you can roll out as a franchise is extremely complex. Well, it makes sense because with technology and a brand, you can address anything. So you have somebody who's very, very well connected locally. They take a franchise, they take a brand and tech, they can run after guests and, and, and host experience, right? So they can deliver hospitality because everything else is taken care of. So, so actually on paper, the franchise model in our vacation rental industry makes a ton of sense. While we know the business is highly fragmented, super local and and based on personal relations. So franchise is actually a no-brainer. But is that going to work? I question because the funds are missing uh, in order for them to scale, etc., uh, etc. Et so I think it's going to be extremely challenging going forward. So that's the franchise piece. The second piece, so I, I question that. There's a lot of attention to that. We would need to go deeper in it. We need to do more research and we need to find out more if the franchise is going to work. A lot of companies, without mentioning any brands tonight, uh, I'm not going to mention. It's questionable. Second is the investment side. So who is out there now looking at this market? When I was walking away from BRMA uh, in Vegas, one of my uh, second largest takeaways next to the franchise was the buyer universe in this industry has fundamentally changed. So for the last few years, it's been the classical Macassas, the V-Trips, um, and others who have acquired natural retreats and others who have acquired uh, you know, businesses. And this year, I've never spoken to more private equity firms ever before, right? So the, the buyer universe for people to look at investment opportunities in the vacation rental industry, especially luxury, has totally shifted. So all of a sudden, we've seen a ton of private equity firms coming to this industry. We've seen investment firms, we've seen M&A advisory firms organizing great dinners, large dinners with incredible lineup of people in the industry, something we have never seen before. So this means that the financial markets have understood uh, the opportunities in this industry and they want to start understanding it and they're going deeper and deeper and we will see more um, private equity and other capital, invest in institutional capital flowing into our industry for investment opportunities. Would you say that has something to do with Airbnb, Vacasa, Sonder, and many others going public? Or um, 
are they just trying to get into the industry early? Is that kind of a, a sign or is it just that they're just seeing tons of money being printed out of this, out of the segment of uh, lodging? Well, I mean, if they looked at Vacasa, they wouldn't invest. If they look at Sonder, they wouldn't invest. If they look at Airbnb, yes, they would have invested. And if they look at Verbo, HomeAway, they would have invested, right? So, so I think the investment world still needs to build its conviction if this is an attractive business model and, uh, and can we make money out of this, uh, this type of business model. So I think we've seen some cases that have not been very helpful to drive the attractiveness of the investment world, such as Vacasa listing at 4.2 billion in their SPAC and now being worth less than a billion. Obviously, it's not a great track record, unfortunately, for the company. Uh, and therefore, uh, a lot of questions need to be answered, uh, which we do on a day-to-day basis to say, you know, what, what has gone wrong here? What, what has the investment world misunderstood from the scalability of this industry? And I think we still need to do a lot of education to the investment world for them to really understand the unit economics and the attractiveness of this business, the scalability of this industry. I think some of these cases have definitely not helped us to attract more capital to the, coming to the industry. But I think now we're seeing more niche investors who say, I want to go strictly after the luxury market. I want to go strictly after uh, this particular regional market. I think we'll see more of that. I think we will see less investments that are looking at an entire North American, let alone an international market, to be perfectly honest to you. Well, it's interesting you say that because like we, on our morning show, Good Morning Hospitality, that uh, I think we need to get you on there as well. Uh, but we just uh, covered the story of of Rouse, uh, one of the co-founders of Airbnb, invested about, he, he wasn't the only one, it was multiple investment partners, but uh, Rouse, uh, based out in Germany, raised about $3 million, right? And they're focusing on cabins, like the unique stay, um, you know, remote, in de- creating a destination rather than um, being in an urban city or in a vacation town, like maybe somewhere outside Nashville or something. Um, do you, and so outside of that, there's investments going into this like particular side of inventory, this particular side of experience, cause that is an experience. You're away, you're remote. You don't have to worry about traffic and your cell phone and all this other crap. Then you have, uh, Steve Milo who mentions, you know, living like a local, uh, it's ruining the industry. It's, uh, the vacation rental world needs to be solely on in destination in vacation rental locations rather than um living in local communities that aren't meant for that type of traffic and that type of occupancy um what's what's better like is it supposed to be specifically like unique cool properties or is should it be opened up to everybody who has a spare bedroom uh, in order to consider themselves part of this Okay, let's go back to the Airbnb myth. And, and I don't think there's too many people out there in the audience who want to share the bedroom with Brian Chesky. Okay, so rest that case uh, for a second. So, you know, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's a great question. I think we need to be able to make sure that we have a product for the consumer uh, requirement. And there's a lot of massive opportunities, right? I, I never believed in the sharing and never will believe in the sharing and uh, for a long time to come, right? And, and I always made that very public. I think I, I believe like we were sharing, but maybe we're not living in it while we're sharing. So that's perfectly fine. Uh, in terms of uniqueness, it's a great point you're addressing here. And I, 
I totally agree with you. So, you know, we've seen like a Sykes Cottages who are now investing all of a sudden into asset heavy businesses, um, like the forest cabins that I've acquired as a business that never everybody showed that Sykes is going down asset heavy businesses, but their demand, like their demand power is so strong that they can take on any business and, and, and they can fill any, any tree house in the UK, uh, very quickly. Right, because they have the machinery behind it. They have the brand, they have the marketing, they have the intel, uh, the data on the customer. So they they take any type of inventory on board. Doesn't matter how unique that is, camping in the middle of the forest in a, in a glamping tent or whatever it might be, they will fill that up because they have intel on on customer that no, like literally nobody else has. So so that makes a ton of sense, and I I'm strongly believing in this unique niches of, of providing different type of, uh, of inventory, uh, but that's not large scale, right? So, mm-hmm. so, you know, comparing that with Milo who says, look, I want to do owner operate in vacation rental destinations. By the way, that's nothing new either that Milo is inventing here. That's been around forever. Uh, owner operating and, and purposely build vacation rentals is nothing new, but I think, you know, they, I think there's no recipe that fits everything. I think it's, it's about how can you leverage what you have built so far, and I like niche, and 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 we will we will see a lot more successes in niches uh, going forward as long as you stick to them, right? And then as soon as you try to go elsewhere, it's becoming very challenges and and uh, challenging. And I, I love these these niche players, owner operated, even asset heavy businesses. As long as you have the right demand, you can fill you know, a chicken stall somewhere and say, this is a different experience sleeping with 300 chickens. I'm sure you'll find a few customers who want to have that experience. So at the end of the day, the sky is the limit, but I think it's a matter of how you place it, how you, de- how you, how you sell it and, 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 and how you build your um, uh, demand strategy around it. I think there's a lot of things you can do. I think there's not, there, there aren't things that you can do too many things at the same time. You need to be very careful of that. Well, to come back full circle, you've been on the show now twice after 2020 to now 2022. We've covered a lot of the year, the recap. What's on the horizon? You you mentioned you you bring an umbrella with you on stage. Where where does this umbrella come into use in 2023? Um, what are things we need to watch for um, without being super um, uh, crying wolf, I guess, if, or just you know more or less being prepared and and kind of filling up our sandbags and having them close to the door just in case. Absolutely. So the military terms and the European terms, I don't want to paint the devil on the wall, right? So, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, we want to be very mindful of what's happening right now in terms of macroeconomical situation, energy crisis. I always say when when I speak to North Americans uh, uh, and, and, and others across in, in other continents, hey, we have a war in Europe. Okay, and it's not that far away. So we need to be mindful of that uh, as well, which is very disruptive for, for many reasons and very unfortunate. Uh, an unforced war is, is something the most useful, th- unuseful thing that has ever happened to us in, in my time of, of, of life. I mean, I had the best life that I could imagine as a, as a person and, 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 and facing now this crisis is, is quite fundamental and, and, and makes you think, you know, in terms of, macroeconomic situation, economical situation, interest rates, energy costs. We have a 
we're 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 facing potentially a very massive recession, right? You can you can play it down, you can play it up. I'm not the economist economist who can make um, you know statements here and make my own judgments. I can read the news, I can interpret all that uh, myself. So I think overall we're in a great industry, right? So we are in asset light industry that has always performed extremely well, also in economical downturns. Uh, we can benefit from raising interest rates because more properties will come to rent because people can't afford them anymore without renting. Because one thing that gets forgotten in our conversations, how much supply is out there that has not even been rented yet that yeah. could be rented. So I, I, you know, I look at, I, I'm a person who always looks at the positive side of things. I think we need to be realistic. We need to have our costs under control. We need to have our team under control, our people. We need to look after that. And, and we need to uh, identify opportunities. I think we need to be careful of not continuing this, this gold rush and, and, and still yeah. mining that gold and pushing up ADRs and pushing up occupancy. We need to be realistic. We need to weather that storm. We see potentially more supply. Um, in some areas, maybe not because people will not rent anymore. They put it into long terms because they don't want to pay the energy costs anymore. So there's a lot of, it depends region by region and region. But I think overall, I think we need to, you know, as a closing note, in a way, we need to take 2022 to the bank. We need to be satisfied with what we've done. We've done a great job with the team. It's been hard work for everyone. I think we need to be realistic for 23. Don't be too uh, um, uh, optimistic. Don't be too euphoric in terms of expectations. Make sure you have good relations to your homeowners. Make sure you're communicating transparently. Make sure you're using a lot of data, uh, understanding data, what, what the outlook looks like in terms of ADR occupancy, uh, ref bar, et cetera. And let's just be realistic. And, and let's not try to copy 2023. Let us um, make sure 2023 is a year that we can bring home with as little damage as we can, uh, be content on what's happening on a global economic basis. Uh, we have um, we have an energy crisis. We have macroeconomical uh, issues that we need to tackle. We have a war, uh, and I think all of that just needs to um, tell us that we need to be realistic. We need to think about it and and make sure we weather the storm um, together. Uh, in a in a in a positive sense, and I'm sure uh, the vacation rental industry has uh, um, great levers to make sure this is happening. Hundred percent. I couldn't have said it better. Uh, so basically, the theme is settle in, get settled into this growth that we've had, um, not to continue to grow beyond your. Don't fill. Don't overfill your plate. Basically, you, we have a full plate. Let's be happy with it and let it settle into the stomach and and get processed the right way rather than uh, uh, overfilling and vomiting later, basically. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Well, uh, Simon, uh, the last famous closing question I always ask every guest is if you had one link, which there's going to be many, but just wanted to put one at the top, if you had one link to send any listener uh, right now, what would it be and go? Link. Yes, one link to send anybody that's listening. They're like, I want to learn more about Simon. I want to learn more about AJL. I want to learn more about whatever we talked about today. Where would you send them? It could be personal, w it could be professional, it could be random. Absolutely. Um, for us, 
We're passionate about AGL. Our The best link I can send to everyone is www.agelatelier.com. Um, we're more than happy to have you in our environment and, and help you to succeed in this ever-changing industry. Love it. Well, Simon, thank you so much again for being back on the show. Uh, I can't wait for more future conversations and probably the conversations that will happen from listeners that hear this episode that we'll probably get quite a few messages on, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and we'll see you again, hopefully here soon. Thank you, Will. Thank you for having me. And, you know, I want to break a leg for you. Congratulations on what you have done for the industry. Uh, I have massive respect in, in from where you came from and what you did. And, and please continue to do so. Thank you so much. I appreciate those amazing kind words. It's making me all kind of tear up here today. Um, for all of you listeners and viewers out there, make sure that you check the show notes, like, and subscribe to everything Simon Lehman, AJL Atelier, and everything that we talked about. If you liked what you heard, make sure to send us a DM between either Simon or myself, and we would love to chat even more. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, possible. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.